This is my comeback story. This is my comeback story. This is Trey Lewis with Good Landing Recovery, and you're listening to The Comeback. You know, I, I chose this, this message topic today um, really on the heels of a, of a very hard season here at Good Landing. And, um, you know, honestly, I mean, it's been a hard year, really. Um, if you go back into my office, um, I, I found a, a guy and um, that was that's a sculptor in, uh, out of Texas. And, you know, at the beginning of this year, I had him make this sculpture for me and uh, super heavy. I'd go back there and grab it right now. Um, and, uh, and, and it's of David and Goliath. And the, the giants that I faced in my own life this year, the giants that I see continue to take people out. I mean, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of, of watching people get beat. And, and what we do here, I mean, it's so many things, right? I mean, so many people come in through the doors of Good Landing and they're mad at God. They've lost their way. There was a season where they used to love God or they've never known God or they never had a relationship. And, and we exist to reintroduce people to a loving God or introduce them for the very first time. That, that is why we exist, that we have, you know, I love whenever my brother was talking about, Matt was talking about, you know, mental health. And I mean, that, that's real, you know, Whatever you want to, I don't care what philosophy that you, you come from. I mean, it, it, is, it is real, and that is why that we hit this disease of addiction and anything else from, from every side. You know, that, that God works through medicine. God works through recovery church. And a medical healing, I want you to understand, is not a second-class healing. I mean, if God wants to heal on the operating table or he wants to heal miraculously tonight, he can do whatever he wants to do, and he does it all. You know, I mean, he really does. I mean, it's just the, you know, a lot of times you look at the creative miracles in, in the Bible, you know, and God turns, you know, a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread and feeds 5,000 and, and probably fed, fed more than that, had 12 baskets left over. That's awesome, but that's not typically how he did it. I mean, it's just not. I mean, those are like a couple of times recorded. I mean, they had a, a treasure, had money, and typically they went to the store and bought the junk, <laughs> Right? Like, like, like all of us do. And God provides financially with the resources so that you can go and, and do all of that. So, you know, it's exciting to me to, to hear that. And, you know, not that I want to over-medicate or to start throwing medicine at, at symptoms of a detox. But when it's needed, um, it's needed. And, and I'm grateful to have professionals that God uses. So often, you know, mental health has this stigma of why can't you just come up here and pray it away? Why don't you just come up here and just, just pray the thing away? And if you have to get on something like that, that it, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, if you had a broken foot tonight, you know, you wouldn't just come up here and be like, what's wrong with you, man? <laughs> you want to go to the ER? Just put your foot up here and pray. You know, like, could be cool, amazing if God heals it. But, I mean, I'd take you over the ER myself right after I prayed while I was praying for your foot. <laughs> right? And, I mean, it, it's just, sometimes it's just so bizarre. And then if somebody's tormented out there, and there is advanced medicine and resources to be able to help, you know. And I know that there's some that, you know, could be, could be dangerous or whatever. There's context to what I'm saying. Making sure that the mental health professional understands the nature of addiction. Not wanting to prescribe a benzo. Not wanting to prescribe something that would send you back into a relapse what have you, there's obviously context for the situation. But at the end of the day, I'm just saying, man, if you're getting tormented and you're struggling and you need that, that's why we have 
an addictionologist. That is why we have a former surgeon that did a fellowship in addiction medicine. Why we have a psychiatric nurse practitioner to include a family nurse practitioner and all the other things too. And that faith in the center, you know, and really what, what is going to differentiate us from everybody else as it was already said tonight is that we just give a name to the higher power that his name is Jesus. And we're unapologetically Christian and believe in that. And that's, that's why, like, whenever you see somebody up here tonight, say, man, it's okay to be me because of the love. It's the love of God that sets us free. Amen. I mean, it really is. I mean, that, that's what sets you free. We've been looking in all these places, right? I mean, it's just, yeah, the drugs worked in the beginning. I mean, I was Superman the first time I get a hold of some meth. First time that I drank alcohol, it fills the void. Takes away all of my social inhibitions, all of the anxiety, but only to find out a couple of years later, it's the, it's the very door into the, to the self-made prison. And then you realize, man, that's not it. I thought that was it. I bought the lie. It brought me into the prison, and now I need a way out. And it's just like God said, man, you've saved the best until last. You've tried everything else. You've tried the cheap wine. You've tried the cheap highs. You've tried the sex and the lust and doing all of the things that you thought were going to bring excitement. And though it may have worked for a season, always leaves you empty, always leaves you wanting, always leaves you unfulfilled. And he said, finally, man, you saved the best for last. I mean, we're going to talk about David and Goliath tonight, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. But, you know, that the thing is, is we're going to see ourselves, and, and I want you to find yourself in the narrative. I want you to identify and say, like, yeah, that's me. Like, that, that's David. I want you to love David like I love David. You know, David is my favorite character in the Bible. You ever get around somebody and they, and they say, and they, and they, they read a Bible verse, and they're like, that's my life verse. Like, you can't have it. Like, that's mine. Ephesians 3, mine, mine. That's my verse. You're like, oh my gosh. Like, I'll leave that one alone. That's yours. What are you talking about? That's biblical precedent for everybody, okay? So if you ever find yourself in a situation with somebody like that, just know it can be your verse too, okay? Just bizarre. But anyway, I love David. You can too, okay? He can be your favorite. But I love David because David is a, a chronic habitual screw-up. I mean, a major screw-up, you know? And, and people like me, I'm so glad that David is in the Bible. Because when I'm feeling... You know, like I don't belong around the church people. Feeling like, man, this is just, man, am I like, dude, my mouth, gosh, like I did it again. Like is our church, like is this really for me? I'm like, but did I commit premeditated first degree murder and adultery today? No, I didn't, okay? So I'm good. <laughs> He's still forever memorialized and put right there in Scripture as a man after God's own heart. So that's why I love David. I love David for many reasons. He was, um, you know, my man, you know, talking about bipolar. I don't know if you've, I've ever seen anybody. You ever read the Psalms? God, I love you. I am forever. I'm about the one thing. Break their teeth, God. Break the enemy's face and their teeth. That's what it says. It's unbelievable. Read the Psalm. I'm not making it up. It's for real. That's what it says. It's just amazing. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody more. But he clearly needed some lithium or something probably on that. I'm just kidding, David. I'll see you up there one day, I'm sure. I'm sorry. Have mercy on me. <laughs> there, guy's, a, 
guy's an unbelievable warrior. But I love him, man. I mean, the guy, he's just, he's just a, he's an old country boy. You know, my man talking about, you know, learning lessons in the, in the wild. I mean, that's David was just, he's just an old country boy. And after God had made Saul king, Israel didn't want judges anymore. They wanted a king like everybody else, wanted to be like everybody else. And God's like, all right, fine. Here's the guy right here, head and shoulders, you know, that Saul walks into the room, you would know immediately, that's the king. That's the guy we want to follow right there. You know, he's, he's the smartest, he's the tallest, he's the, you know, whatever, you know, you, Hollywood's image of what you might think a king should look like. You'd be like, yeah, that's the guy right there. But Saul was not a man after God's own heart. Saul did what was right in his own eyes, did not do what was right in God's eyes. And as a, and as, and as a consequence, God removed him from the throne and God's eyes were looking and found a shepherd boy out in the country that was seeking and cultivating the presence of God in his life. He looks out there and a kid that was just loving Jesus and worshiping. There was nobody around. There was no Instagram. There was no Facebook. Right? There was no TikTok. There was no, there was no none of that. Here's a guy removed from everything, worshiping the Lord. And then God says, that one right there. The one that's got a heart for me, that's not worried about playing games, that doesn't worry about anything else, that's seeking my face and believes me at my word and that his presence and the anointing comes on him, that he would go and that he would kill lions and bears. And as a shepherd, you know, what, what he's... And see, this is the thing that, man, you can't, you can't despise the day of small beginnings. I mean, when David's out there watching sheep, I mean, he, he didn't know at the time that men said, you're going to be the greatest king that Israel has ever known and that you are one day going to be forever memorialized as a man after my own heart. And there you are being trained watching dumb animals. Everybody watch sheep on YouTube? See the recent video? He comes out of the, out of the ditch and jumps right back in and it's this picture of like who we are. I mean, they're just, they're, they're dumb. You know, I mean, it, it is, it's, it's true, the things that we get ourselves into. And God's saying, here's, here's the training ground. You know, some of you right now, man, you don't even realize. Like, God's teaching you leadership in your, in your sober living house. You're walking through fears, never dealt with conflict in your entire life. Have no idea how to hold somebody accountable. You get to walk up to a strong personality and just be like, hey, look, man, you need to, you need, you, need, you, need, you, need, you need to make your bed, right? You, you need to probably not have a conversation like that with that, toxic, with that toxic girlfriend of yours that's still getting high. You should probably not do that. What, 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 do, you, what do you think leadership is? How do you think you're going to learn it? You think one day you're just going to magically, when you get the title and the six figures and the C in front of your... You get to that sea level suite, you think then all of a sudden just magically it's going to appear? It's just going to just be there? You're going to learn it in the ditches. You're going to learn it in times of insignificance, man, when, no, when nobody, nobody's watching you. There's not going to be an all staff where everybody's celebrating your work. I mean, you're going to learn it. And what you're going to find out is that what you do in private will one day manifest publicly. If you're cutting corners, if you're cutting corners in, in, in private, not doing your devos, not spending time in worship, not cultivating God's presence, I promise you, there is something as true as the law of that speed limit out there, as the United States criminal justice system, as, as true as, as, as the law of gravity, is that you 
will reap what you sow. You want to sow? You want to sow to a flesh-filled life? You want to sow to selfishness? You will reap selfishness. You will reap that. That that is why we are all here. When you walk through the doors of good landing recovery, and typically life is a complete mess that you are unmanageable on multiple levels, that right there is the culmination of a selfish life and you reaping that harvest. Of saying, man, I'm all about me. I'm going to get high. I want to get high as much as I want to breathe. And then you reap that as you walk through these doors. And God is saying, in my mercy, I'm going to meet you once again. I'm going to show you the ancient past. I'm going to show you the way out of this thing. I'm going to show you freedom. And it's up to you what you're going to do. Are you going to continue to go back to your old ways and sow to the flesh again? Or are you going to learn how to slay giants? You know, I mean, how many of us, man, is, 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 is young kids, man? What if you would have had Uncle Mike Tyson? You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you'd have been the, 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 the legend on the playground. You know what I'm saying? Uncle Mike just told me, told me that, that uppercut. Be lining them up, man. You would have loved to have had Uncle Mike. You would have loved to have learned those disciplines, man. If only I could have learned that and learned how to, you know, what, what, whatever it is. You know, or, or somebody in business or somebody in finance or somebody in medicine, somebody, a mentor. I mean, a lot of us are sitting there, man, man, what would it have been like? Man, what would it have been like to have, you know, one of the great CEOs, one of the great leaders of our time to be mentored by that, to be able to sit at the dinner table day in and day out and to be able to learn? from somebody like that. You know, a lot of us didn't have it, man, but we need to learn how to fight now. You have got to learn how to fight now. And what we have to realize is that the way that we've been fighting, though we may have been successful at one point in our life, it's no longer working. I want to understand the ancient past that God has put in place. How do I kill the giants in my life? I've got six children that live at my home in Buford City. I want them to be able to look at my life one day. And maybe they were so dad, dad wasn't a perfect man by, by any stretch, but dad knew how to slay giants. Dad knew how to overcome addiction. Never once did I see my dad high on methamphetamines. Never once. I heard, man, I heard. I watched the videos of my dad preaching. Dad sat there and told me the stories, but never once did dad walk into 2358 East Maddox Road High. Never once did dad show up there out of his mind in a meth-induced psychosis. Never once did I see dad have a glass of wine at dinner. Never once was dad not present because of a hangover because dad learned how to kill those giants in his life. And these principles are laid out for us right here. I'm tired of seeing friends of mine. You, you've got to get to a place in, in, in your life where, where you can overcome giants, where you become willing to be assertive, to be able to hurt somebody's feelings, to be able to put boundaries in place. If you can't learn how to do that inside the boundaries of good landing recovery, you will never do it out there. And if you don't learn it here and it doesn't work out there, you will never be successful out there. Ever. I promise you that. There is a world out there. There are people out there that have bad intentions that the demonic, is, it wants to hunt you through them. They don't play fair. They don't care about the rules. They don't care that you, what you've been learning in here. 
As a matter of fact, they hate you even more that you've got a taste of the reality that God has a plan for you and it makes the, the, the demonic realm hate you even more to want to hunt you through other people. That's real. God has a desire that you would take your place, that you would, that you would, 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 would take up this mantle that he's giving you, this, 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 this part to play in the bigger picture of this incredible life that he has for you. But you're responsible for learning what that is and living that out. He's going to give you grace, but obviously he also gives us this unfortunate thing called choice. And he puts so much dignity on the human choice that what you do actually matters. What you choose to do when you leave here tonight, whether you choose to tell the truth or lie, to sit on a secret longer than you're supposed to, to continue to sit on that compromise, what you decide to listen to on the way home, what you decide to do when you get back there, it all matters, I promise you that. It all matters. And every time you compromise, it is the same way. I'm sure you've heard the, the, the very common and, and, and overused analogy of a frog being boiled to death. You take a frog, throw him in 212 degree Fahrenheit water, frog's going to jump out. You put a frog in lukewarm water and just steadily turn that heat up, the frog boils to death and doesn't even realize it. So in the same way, in the same way, as we make compromise, you start to desensitize to what God is doing in your life. And the next thing you know, you're sitting over there far from the plan of God in your life thinking, man, how did I get here? How did I get here? I mean, you're not just walking one day full of the Holy Spirit on fire. I'm all in for God. Trip over your feet and fall in a pile of dope. That's not how it works. I've never, never happened to me. It never happened to me while I was getting hot. Certainly hadn't happened to me while I've been sober. You're not going to trip one day and fall in a pile of it. You're going to make compromise. If you should go back, it's a compromise here, a compromise there. Compromise, compromise, compromise until you desensitize and you pick up that phone or you make that drive or you become willing to do what you would consider, hopefully, right now for some of you, the unthinkable. It is compromise after compromise after compromise. You desensitize, and then you make the choice. What you think about matters. What you dwell on matters. The spirit that you operate in, it matters. It all matters, man. It really does. We're going to move through some verses really quick. I'm going to start in 17, 1 Samuel 17. I'm the New Living Translation, more of a thought-for-thought thought translation. It says, one day, Jesse said to David, what, what I mean by thought-for-thought thought is designed to hit the 21st century reader in the same way that it, would, that, that it was intended to hit the reader whenever it was written, if that makes sense. It's not designed to be kind of a word-for-word, word and, you know, it's more of a thought-for-thought. Thought. It said, one day, Jesse, this is David's father, said to David, and, and what you have to understand about David too, what else I love about him, just a brief intro, that when Samuel came to anoint king, David's dad didn't even go and get him. Okay, so if you can just imagine this, whenever they decided no more Saul, Samuel go and anoint the next king, 
There Jesse is with all of his sons. He's got his youngest son, David, out in the back 40 somewhere watching the sheep. Doesn't even think enough to go and get him. All right, anybody here got rejection issues, right? Some abandonment stuff right there? David had it too, okay? So there's hope, all right? So his dad doesn't even like, you know what I'm saying? Like, lines up all of his kids. I mean, you talk about a hit. Like, what are you talking about, dad? You know what I'm saying? Like, you didn't think to come get me off the deer stand out here? I'm like, 20 minutes right there. Like, you didn't even, like, I just, you know, Jesse didn't even, didn't even go and get him for whatever reason. And, and it's just, it's, it's amazing to me to think about this kid, man, and that God sees him, the one that nobody else. You know what it's like to be forgotten by your family? You know what it's like to have everybody in your family think that you're hopeless? That there's absolutely no chance for anybody here know what that's like? I know what that's like, man. I know what that's like. And, and, I, and, I, and, and I'm, not, I'm not indicting anybody's family. I mean, I run a drug rehab. I mean, I, I see, I mean, I have to see on a daily basis what people don't see. When they walk through those doors, they don't believe one good thing about themselves, man. I can see them. I can see them on day zero, and I can see them on staff. But it's sometimes, man, I mean, when, when I know somebody, and I've watched them relapse time and time again, man, there's times where I'm like, good God. I mean, geez, is there any way to reach this joker? Is there any way? I don't know. I've been involved. I feel like that we bring our very best, you know, and you're just like, you know, and, and, and I get my parents, man. I get them whenever they're thinking like, okay, you know, first treatment center, I get it. You know, second and third, he's still a little young. I mean, by the fifth, you're like, dear God, like, what's it going to take? What is it going to take? This is five. We're 75 grand in and two DUIs. Like, what's wrong with this knucklehead? You know, and then by eight, I mean, you just got to be like, mm. I mean, <laughs> I mean, really? Eight. You know, and then, I mean, I mean, I get it. I get it. Uh, but, it, you know, but at the end of the day, man, God has a plan. And this kid who was forgotten is getting ready to give us a lesson in what it looks like to kill giants. So one day Jesse said to David, take this ba basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelites' army at the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. I mean, so I want you to understand this. David, just two chapters before, chapter before, was just anointed as the next king of Israel. Okay, I just want you to understand that, right? I mean, th this is Samuel. Like, this isn't like... I don't, I don't know how to say this. Like the, the prophetic, like I, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Like I believe that, that, that the prophetic is, is still real. I've had some of the most amazing encounters. But there's also, you know what I'm saying. I mean, sometimes it's like the weird lady that like gets the word or whatever and prays for you. And it's like, you know, like, like a little off or something like that. And they're like, they're like, I mean, really, they're like 50-50. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes they get it. Sometimes they don't get it. Whatever, right? I mean, like, this guy doesn't miss, okay? I mean, this isn't, I mean, this isn't like, I mean, this is like when the guy shows up, everybody freaks out. He's an oracle. He's a mouthpiece of God onto the earth. He doesn't miss. Like, this is back in the day, like, if they miss, they get killed. 
The guy doesn't miss. So the guy shows up. Imagine this. It says like, hey, you're the next king. You're the next king. You're the next president of the United States of America. You're the next one, okay? And it's like coming. It hadn't happened yet. And your dad's like, hey, carry some cheese and bread to your brothers. I'd be like, huh. Let me tell you something, big dog. <laughs> Maybe you didn't hear <laughs> what Samuel said the other day. How about you get your tail up and you carry him some cheese and bread, and I'm going to sit here and get a pedicure or something. I don't know. Never done one, but I'm going to be the next king. I probably should get used to it. I mean, it's, it's like, I mean, I want you to look at the humility right here. The guy's obviously called. He hadn't walked into this office yet. And David... A giant killer is getting ready to walk onto the national stage. He didn't even realize what's about to happen. And David is operating as a servant. How many times do you think pride gets in the way of God's plan for your life? What if David would have been like, are you kidding me, man? Like, are you kidding me? Did you not hear the prophetic word? Like, I'm going to be the next king. How about you get, how about you get one of these other boys over here to go and do that? Like, I'm good. I'm good. But David... Grabs the cheese. I mean, he ultimately becomes a pizza delivery boy with the cheese and bread. Takes it out there. And it says, where was I? Anyway, it said, um, soon the Israelite, I'm in 21, soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. So if you can see this setting, they're right outside of Tel Aviv. I don't know if you've ever been to Israel. I've been over there a couple of times. You fly into Tel Aviv. It's Valley of Elah is right outside of Tel Aviv. And it's just real kind of classic setting, you know, ancient military, military, one sitting on one side of the valley, the other one, the Philistines, the mortal enemies of Israel, sitting on the other side of, of the valley, and they're facing off. And it says that David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried to get the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for, for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God, and these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. So I, I want you to, to, to look at David right here. When you kill giants in your life, there will be a reward. The life that you want is on the other side of the giant of addiction. It's on the other side of the giant of lust. It is on the other side of the giant of greed and the giant of anger and the giant of compromise. That is what the life that you actually want, that you can only dream of, you've got to kill this giant. There's no way around him. There's no way over him. There's no way to run away and back down from the fight. That is a fight that you will either win or you will lose. You can't run from it. It is there and it is in front of you and your back is against the wall. And you've got to take the head of this giant if you want to move forward. And you're watching, everybody else is running from this giant, but there's something on the inside of David that says, man, who is this punk? Who is this guy that defies the armies of the living God? Who is he? 
This young boy, while all these grown men are running away, here David is with righteous indignation of saying, man, this is not the life that God has for me. This is not the portion that God has for me. Who is this guy? While everybody else is running. And then he asks twice about the reward. I like that. I want the king's daughter, and I don't have to pay taxes anymore. I promise you, if I didn't have to pay taxes, we'd all go jump on my private 737 after this meeting if I didn't have to pay taxes. What would I do? I would kill any giant if I didn't have to pay taxes. Yes, Lord, please. I want the deal. So anyway, as soon as the Israelites saw him, anyway, yeah, they gave the same reply. It said, okay, 28, this is interesting here, but when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. I mean, this, this is it, man. The, the second that you stand up and are saying, man, I'm going to go after what God has that's when people are going to be like, dude, who are you? Like, I remember you. Dude, you're the guy that just stayed peeled out all the time. Last time I saw you, you were sneaking nodding out at Thanksgiving dinner looking like a moron. And now it's all about God. Look at you over there. You're a nut. Is that a Bible verse I saw you posting the other day? I'm surprised you could even get it together. Your hands could stop shaking long enough to get the text off. I mean, that's how people are. You better, I posted this the other day. I posted a picture of Shaquille O'Neal dunking on the entire Brooklyn Nets team, okay? I love it. It's a picture. Sometimes you got to dunk on the whole freaking team to be able to get through to, the, to, 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 to let them know. Understand that if you want to be a person of impact, if you want to be a person of, that, that is going to make any kind of, 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 of difference in the world, be ready for impact. I don't care if you want to be a better Sunday school teacher. I don't care if you want to be a better gas station attendant at QT. I don't care if you want to be the best house manager that's going to be full of the Holy Spirit and live an uncompromised life. At that moment, when you decide I'm going to be a person of impact, expect contact. You know how easy it would be to me to be like, I, I, I just, I can't believe what people said about me. I can't believe what that mom said about our approach. I can't believe what that client said over there. I can't believe because I held that lady's son accountable that they're talking about getting an attorney. Like, what are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? Like, just get ready. You get ready for full contact because there's no glory outside of the fight. That is why whenever you turn it on to watch sports, when you turn it on to watch pro basketball, you're not watching the horse championship. Okay? You're not watching them play horse or pig or whatever. That's not what you're watching. That's why, that's why flag football is not on Sundays. It's just not. You know what I'm saying? That's cool when you're six. You know what I'm saying? And mom don't want you in full pads yet, but nobody's paying $150 a ticket or $500 to go and watch flag football. I promise you that. There's no glory in that. It, it, it is why we, 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 we are just, we are enamored with comeback stories. That's why we love them. You know what I'm saying? Like whenever we think about people that, that, that just have it easy, that have it made, nobody wants to watch that. Oh, let's go. You hear about the new movie? <laughs> 
You know what I'm saying? It's, it's amazing. It's, it's the boxer that never had a real fight. Always knocked him out in five. You know what I'm saying? He was, he was an unbelievable 300-pound fighter, and he only had to fight people that weighed 106 pounds. You know what I'm saying? That's not selling. If that was Rocky, there would have never been a number two. There wouldn't have been. We, we like, it's the adversity. It's, it's, it's overcoming, you know? And, and I get it, man. I, if, if, if I was the author of the whole thing, you know, I mean, if I had to write my story, it'd be easy. And Trey became a millionaire when he was three. You know what I'm saying? And Trey got a jet when he was four. And Trey had more, you know what I'm saying? And it was just a life of ease. Like, if I'm writing my story, that's how I'm going to write it. But the deal is, is, is that's just not, it's just not what it is, man. There's just... There's going to be contact. There's going to be people, man, when you take a stand in your apartment and you're saying, you know what? I'm done with the compromise. You know what I'm saying? Like y'all might want to sit around here and talk about getting high and keep secrets and see how much stuff we can get away with. But when one of y'all finally stands up and says, man, I'm done with that. Like I am done with that. You better believe that that same spirit that came through David's brothers, like, man, who do you think you are? Oh, look at you. Oh, now you want to sit down here in the front row and look, you know, or now you want to like, dude, you know, it's just that stuff's coming. Be ready for that. That's the contact that the enemy's going to use to try to beat you down and wear you down. And you better go ahead and put on your game face right now because it's coming and it's going to come again and again and again and again. And you just got to just, 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 just say, man, it's just, it's part of the deal. I've signed up. Everybody in here, anybody in here not want to be great? Anybody want to hear like be like below average? That's what I always wanted. It's always wanted to always wanted to operate at about 40% capacity of my No, nobody wants to do that. We all want to be the best version of ourselves. And when you decide to do that, there is going to be opposition. And some of it isn't even going to be mean like that. Some of it is, it's just because it's just people. When you decide to run at at, at, at full pace, you're going to have bumps and bruises and you're going to run into people. You're just going to run in, whether it's other type A's that have a different agenda and they might not even be coming just to attack you. It's just part of the deal. So learn how to love that process and know that really all things work together, man. When we have a crisis, I'm like, you know what, man, I don't like this. This isn't what I signed up for. This was not on my to-do list today, but I know that we're going to be better on the other side of this. I know, man, that there's going to be more anointing. There's going to be more glory. There's going to be more power. There's going to be more on the other side of this because we had to walk through it. I don't like firing people, but the one thing that I know is every time that I've had to remove somebody from this organization, God always replaces them with somebody better. Every single time. So they take David to Saul. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. People try to discredit you. You don't have what it takes. You know, you don't, you know, you, you don't need to get up and preach because you, you, you can't speak Greek fluently. You didn't get an MDiv from whatever seminary they thought you should have gone to. You know what? At the end of the day, it is good to study, to show yourself approved. God has a path for everybody. Some people will go that path through seminary. Others won't. But at the end of the day, don't let somebody put a burden on you that is not your burden. 
Because what you're going to find in here is that Saul's going to be like, hey, you need to use my armor. David's going to get in here and ultimately what he's saying, he's like, that's not mine, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's cool. That's cool that you want to take, you know, the, the, the 410 shotgun to the fight. Like, dude, I'm not using that. I don't shoot 410s. I'm not shooting it. You know what I'm saying? That's cool that you want to, you know, take take the knife, the Rambo-looking knife. It's not it's not what I do. That's not what I'm taking to the fight. You know, that that's cool. I, you know, and at the end of the day, like, you guys are going to see me up here on Friday night. You don't have to do it like me. Some of y'all never have a microphone, and that's cool. You don't need to have a microphone. You're going to do it, and you've got ways that are so different, and God's going to anoint that thing. And it might not be much, you know? I mean, like, I know that I'm not the most eloquent speaker. I know that I'm not, you know, have trained in, in, in different ways. And I'm not the smartest person in the room. But when I use what God gave me, and he anoints that thing and lights it up, it works. It works in, 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 a, in a way that I've seen him move. And I'm like, yeah, I, you know what? I'm not, I'm not T.D. Jakes. I'm not Jensen Franklin. I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not whoever, fill in the blank. I'm Trey Lewis, and I'm going to do it the way that he's called me to do it. And not everybody's going to like that. And I'm loud, and I'm in your face. You know what I'm saying? And I've been designed to be able to, to, to deal with, with a population that most people can't reach. And I'm going to do it the way that I've been called to do it. If you don't like it, get out. Peace. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I mean that with the utmost respect. Because <laughs> it is an honor to be able to serve you, but I can only do the very best with what I've got. And that's how you've got to be, you know? You're like, man, don't, don't have some burden of trying to fake somebody else's style or lead or whatever. You know, if you're not an in-the-face person, don't try to pull that card. You know what I'm saying? Just like I can't, you know... I see some of the, the real stoic and they show no emotion. I'm like, man, that's cool, but it ain't me. So finally, Saul consented and said, all right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. And see, here's the other thing right here too. When Saul's doubting him, David persisted and he starts sharing his testimony. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears. What he's doing right here, he's starting to testify. When you start to feel fear, when you start to feel like God isn't going to come through, when you start to feel like everything's coming in on you, man, be like, dude, God brought me this far. Like I said, it's been a hard week at Good Landing. And I mean, when I'm, and I'm just like, dude, what in the world, man? I, I don't, I don't want to go through this. But then I remember, I'm like, God, you brought us through so much. I remember when there was nobody in there. I remember when there was no money in the bank. I remember when I was thinking, man, I'm getting ready to have to shut this thing down and go find some job that I don't want to do. And I watched God come through again and again and again and again. I know when God delivered me from methamphetamines. I know whenever God worked in my marriage. I know when God's worked in my kid's life. I've seen stage four cancer cured. I've seen God move and I'm reminded and I stand on that when thing, when all hell can break loose, I am not moved by what I see. I am not moved by what I see. And you've got to get that because there will be times of testing. There will be times of trial. There will be things that will happen in your life that you're saying, man, I would not have written the script that way. But you can always go back and be like, man, I remember. Man, I remember when God moved in my life. I remember whenever he brought me back from the dead. I remember those nights when I don't even remember driving my car 
And it had to have been angels that got me home. Even when I hated God, that he still moved on my behalf. Even if you don't have a long testimony, that there's still breath in your lungs and knowing that God is the author of life and the one that allows you to be able to breathe even tonight and say, man, I know that if he's brought me this far, there's gotta be another chapter and it's gotta be good because I know that he's God and I know that he's gonna come through. So David took off all of that armor. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and he put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed with only a shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at, his, at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and I will cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. And Goliath moved closer to attack David. David quickly ran out to meet him. This is an unbelievable scene. If you can imagine this giant coming out, telling this boy what he thinks he's about to do to him, and then David comes out, this teenager, young, Nobody thinks that he has what it takes, but he remembers God moving on his behalf and he looks at him and he ultimately does the Babe Ruth thing and points at him and says, this day I am getting ready to kill you. And he really looks around there too and because it says he goes plural on the bodies and he's then looking around there and saying, I'm about to kill you and I'm about to kill your boys. And I promise you it's about to go down right now. And what you don't understand is because you, I mean, the thing, the thing gets played out a lot of times that, that David had a slingshot and, and I don't know if we're like thinking like shooting acorns, like, you know, at a squirrel that's not even really powerful enough to kill the squirrel or something like that. And it's this weird thing. But what you have to realize that, 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 that the, the slingshot then was like the, the, the equivalent of the sniper of the day. I mean, really what this is like, is like Goliath is coming out you know, standing nine feet tall with a, with a telephone pole that weighs, you know, God knows how many pounds coming out. And David sitting back. It's like him sitting over there and me sitting over here with an M4 being like, is this a joke? Is it really about to be this easy? I mean, David is, is lethal with this thing. I mean, and, and that's how it needs to be for all of us. You ever seen an M16? You ever seen an AR-15 in the hands of somebody that knows how to use one? I mean, the way that, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't like, I just, I, I just handed it to somebody. You know, you can tell the difference of somebody that's never handled a firearm. They're just like, oh, you know, like thinking it's going to bite them or whatever. The deal is, man, when you see somebody put that thing into motion, it's awesome. You're like, dude, that, that's in the hands of somebody that knows how to use it. David picking up that stone with that slingshot right there, and that guy has no idea that a sniper, that American sniper, is sitting in front of him, and he's about to get picked off. And you guys know the deal. David runs to meet him. That's how it needs to be. Y'all need to quit avoiding the fight. Man, I'm scared. I don't, I don't want to deal with the addiction thing. 
I want to try to go around it. I want to try to make a truce with it. Here you go, Mr. Addiction. I know, I know I've been doing heroin, but now I'm just going to do alcohol and benzos. Can we make a deal? Can we make a little deal? You can't make a deal with him. You got to kill him. All of it. All of it. That's, that's, like, that's like his evil little kids or whatever, right? However you want to look at it. You know, that's your, whatever your drug of choice is, that might be there. And that's his boys all down there. They'll all kill you the same way. Preached the funeral of an alcoholic friend, friend of mine. Thought he was going, you know, switch to the, to the little fruity drinks at Double Quick. Got diagnosed with cirrhosis of the liver. He's like, I know what the problem is. No more old charter. <laughs> I'm going to switch to the, you know, to the local, whatever they are, whatever, 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 whatever the kids are doing these days, and, and switch to that thinking it was going to be different. Preached his funeral. Led him to Jesus on his deathbed. Preached his funeral. You can't make a deal with the thing, man. You cannot make a deal. I promise you, I've done all the research. <laughs> I've tried it every which way. I'm like, all right, all right. <laughs> it was the math. I feel like if I put on a suit and drink wine, it'll be different. Nope. I'm going to the dope dealer's house in the suit, okay? That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Everybody else goes home at 12. I'm going to stay up for a week. I don't know. Would not, wouldn't take the deal. I've tried it every which way. It doesn't work. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. You know, man, I just, it'd probably be a little too, too morbid, you know, if there was a, instead of handing out these little swag bags that I just hand you out like a head of addiction. You know, you know how awesome that would be at graduation night? You're like, yes, yes. <laughs> Got the head of that joker. It's your old dope man. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> we just execute the old dope man. <laughs> oh, man. It's been a good night, you know. There's, just, there's so much there to pull out. You go back, you look at David, you know, he's, he's a servant. I mean, the guy literally, what you have to realize is that when David set out on this journey, he's, 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 a, he's a pizza delivery boy doing the most insignificant task, not realizing that he's about to be catapulted onto the national stage. You just don't know. You don't know. He didn't let pride get in the way. He was being a servant and all of him spending all that time out in the middle of nowhere, shepherding these dumb animals, probably thinking that's what he was going to do for the rest of his life, probably having no vision. And God is like, man, you think that you're out there in the middle of nowhere watching dumb animals out in the, in the sticks, singing worship songs, singing reckless love, not because of how many likes you can get on Instagram or whatever, and that God is saying, man, I see your heart. I see you weeping in the morning over my Press, over my presence, in my presence. I see you weeping over what my son Jesus did for you, what he accomplished on the cross to save you and set you free. I see you and I'm going to raise you up and I'm going to use you as a sign and a wonder to a wicked and perverse generation to show them that there is a God that still delivers, that still slays giants. The star of the show is, is not David. At the end of the day, man, that could be any one of us of just saying, God, I want to be a willing vessel. I want to slay giants. 
I want to kill giants. I want to show people the way out. I want to be used, God. I, I want to get up and, and to proclaim your goodness and your majesty and point people and say, man, that if you be lifted up, that all people, that all men and women would be drawn to you to see him lifted up in his right place to see people get set free. God is good. That is how you kill giants. That is, that is the way of the Lord. Those are the ancient past. And I promise you, that story, though written thousands of years ago, will translate into 2021 and beyond to see you kill giants. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve you. If you or someone in your family is struggling with addiction, please give us a call. It's 770-570-7422.